Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Welcome back to another episode of Our Soul. This week, we're going to be doing a little bit of, I I guess you would call it internal interviewing. (laughs) I am joined with my regular co-host, the amazing Kelly Fox. Uh, who has just gotten back from a fantastic away mission. I can, like, appropriate, you know, Star Trek references, right? Um, So many of you who listen to us on a regular basis, um, you obviously know that we do religion and repro work, and we do work around restorative and transformative justice and self-managed abortion and uh, all things moral messaging. What you may not know is that we actually do all of this work in person at congregations as well. Local congregations of different faith communities can reach out to us and secure us as speakers and leaders and individuals who can come and bring these trainings locally to communities of faith all over the state of Ohio. And Kelly just completed this fantastic training event and worship experience at a Unitarian Universalist congregation in Cleveland. Kelly, would you just... Give us a give us an overview of like like how you got invited, where you went, what you did, and then we can get into some of the the kind of finer points of restorative and transformative justice, the the training module that you presented up there. Yeah. Um so uh I kind of got to this point because um someone from that church, uh the the pastor um at that church, uh reached out to us wanting to do a custom restorative and transformative justice training, which is something that anybody can do or request. Um, And I looked at it and um, was really interested. It was the first time in a long time that I've done um, a training in person. Um, The last time I did it, I was invited to uh, go to a college and and talk about restorative and transformative justice to a college class. Um, And that was kind of actually the impetus for creating the training in in general. Um, So, Anyway, this uh, request came in probably in like January. And um, along with that, uh, I was asked to do a sermon-like message for uh, this Unitarian Universalist church um, or congregation, I guess. I'm very new to Unitarian Universalism, um, but I will say for me, it was really quite a healing experience. Um, I know I've talked a little bit about this on this podcast, but um, I uh, have a background in the Methodist Church. And for those of you who know things about the Methodist Church, um, the Methodist Church has recently had a lot of um, issues with the LGBTQ community. Um, Namely, in 2019, they had their general conference where um, a quote unquote majority, 51% of delegates who are representing um, the 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 church uh, voted to have a pretty homophobic um, statement um, on on how they wanted to move forward with the quote-unquote LGBTQ issue. Um, and that time, um, and then the place that I was working at at the time, um, their reaction to that led me to just flat out leave the Methodist church. Um, I haven't like really gone to a church period um, since since then, due to that kind of trauma that happened. 
Um, so to to be invited to a to a faith space and into a faith community to be asked to do a quote unquote servant like message for them um, was a little bit difficult for me to uh, start at first, um, but ended up being something that um, felt like a really healing experience to have a place that um, felt firmly aligned with my values and um, my thoughts around justice um, and uh I didn't have to like change myself for, but, um, so yeah, I got the request, um, back in like January or so asking for, um, last Sunday, if I would be able to do that, um, and also to do a workshop afterwards. And so, uh, that is what I did. Uh, last Sunday I came in and I helped, um, well, before that I helped, um, plan the service around, um, what my message would be on. Um, and then finally did a training afterwards. Um, and yeah, it was a really great experience, something I'd definitely be willing to do again, uh, given the time. <laughs> now, just to just to make sure, like, I already know this, but I, I want to make sure that our listeners hear this as well. Um, you know, Kelly, you were a pastor at the yes. time that this this really, really homophobic uh, decision came out of the, the General Conference of the Methodist Church. But, like, mm-hmm. you, you are accustomed to like you know what it takes to preach a sermon yeah. to be in care of of folks and also like you are extraordinarily well credentialed i have to i have to give a little <laughs> infomercial for my colleague here who we we never like to talk about our own achievements but um you know kelly fox is not just any person in this space um kelly you hold uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you hold a master's, um, uh, a MASJ, a Master of Arts in Social Justice, and a mm-hmm. Master of Arts in Practical Theology with a specialization in queer feminist and womanist studies. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay, okay. <laughs> shoot, shoot. I always, I always get kind of worried. It's like, it's like remembering all the names of the presidents. Um, you are extraordinarily <laughs> well qualified for the work that you do and the work that you do is really cutting edge to be able to take that practical processing of restorative and transformative justice and take it from the theory into the actual practice of like how do we meet what we are experiencing in the world head on because whoo we there's there's a lot in the world right now right mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot that needs this particular application of restorative and transformative justice. Yeah. Um, so I, ju- I just want to make sure our, our, our <laughs> listeners know, like you are, you are more than qualified for this work and you bring so much just remarkable insight to your practice. It's, it, it just always amazes me. I'm always sad that I can't be everywhere you are just <laughs> to be able to hear you and to listen and, and, and to be a part of that. So I'm I'm interested to know like um you know you're you engaged in a sermon and then you did RTJ training right yes, that that was yes. your the process So yeah I, I, you know you were talking about how the world is just like who it is something and mm. um I mean that that is how I started this this sermon like message that I did um you know it, I I tried to think of myself um, very much in line with this one quote from Adrienne Marie Brown talking about um, it's I see the miraculous in others, even those who hate me have heartbeats. And I generally assume people they love 
why don't they love me? Do I love them anyway? How do I hold these massive contradictions? Especially that last sentence about holding these massive contradictions and holding in one hand this strong belief that like there is a future that is abundant and liberative and uh, free um, out there. And then holding in the other hand the the present, you know? You know, we had the decision coming out of Texas about Miffy Pristone. Um, we have an- another case of the Supreme Court like holding our rights in their hands and probably I I don't I don't know. It's just stressful. Um we have another case of black violence um with uh Ralph Ralph Yarl um who was shot for going to somebody's door. Um another case where I as a black queer person um don't feel comfortable like it's an it's another you know grocery stores aren't safe schools aren't safe apparently getting lost and going to someone's front door also isn't safe and so I feel like we're continually like seeing all of these really negative things happen um and so when I was doing this message I was I was trying to think of like uh how how we have some optimism and some motivation to like get to the future. And um, I'm going to share this article in the show notes, but um, there, one thing to know about Adrienne Marie Brown, my love, my academic love, um, she has a a lot of her books have pieces from um, blogs that she's written. And so um, I used a section from um, her book, Emergent Strategy. Um, It's called uh, Afrofuturism and Black Spring. Um, is the name of the section. And there's actually a blog about that. So I'm going to include that in the show notes. And it's it's pretty similar to what she has in the book. Um, but anyway, in, in that blog, she talks about like, uh, I'm just going to read this one little section. Um, we are touching the future, reaching out across boundaries and post-apocalyptic conditions to touch each other, to call each other out as family, as beloveds. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. We are making ourselves vulnerable enough to be changed, which will, of course, change what Black existence means. Um, And then she continues later. We are creating a world we have never seen. We are whispering it to each other, cuddled in the dark, and we are screaming it at people who are so scared of it that they dress themselves in war regalia to turn and face us. Because of our ancestors, because of us, because of the children we are raising, there will be a future without police and prisons. Yes. A future without harassment, without constant fear, childhood sexual assault, a future without war, hunger, violence, with abundance. And like, this was like the center of my sermon was this this thought of a future and this thought of how we're, you know, in this together, cuddling in the dark you know, facing these people who are coming at us with war regalia. And um, it, it it's hard to hold that contradiction of you have the very scary thing in front of you and also believing so hard in a future that can't exist. Um, and, you know, you, when you were saying that there are lots of spaces that need restorative and transformative justice, like that, that one part about, um, you know, we are making ourselves vulnerable enough to be changed. 
which will, of course, change what black existence means. You know, we when it comes to restorative and transformative justice, it can be hard to think like this thing that I'm doing, this this way that I'm learning to take care of myself, this way that I'm um, uh, working to be a better person. It's hard to kind of see that connection to the future that is so liberative that like people are able to, you know, get the abortions they need quick and painlessly. Um, but but what I hope people understand is that like the the arc towards that liberative future starts with taking care of yourself. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's so so much of that, like becoming vulnerable enough becoming observant, uh, uh, self-aware enough um, to be able to see the ways that we ourselves are complicit in a system that, you know, has things like, uh, you know, the fall of Roe, that has things like a, a man shooting at a child, <laughs> who, that has things like, you know, the the daily chaos that is living in America right now. Um, to To get to a better future, we have to, like, be able to, you know, create little little spaces of um, good environments. Uh, yeah. It's so just... this is the, the this is totally totally for effect here, right? Because <laughs> what I heard you say, um, what I heard you say, going from restorative and transformative justice and the the carceral um, system critique, I heard you jump right into a future where people can get the abortions they need whenever and this is this is totally for effect but i hear someone <laughs> i hear someone listening right now going well how did you jump from there to <laughs> abortions like what's that all about the connection between restorative and transformative justice and all transformative justice like what does a transformed future really look like you draw that out so well in your training around <laughs> like there's a direct link between people dying on our streets at the hands of violent systems of oppression and people being refused the ability to make decisions over their own bodies and futures, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, it, it's, it's just so powerful to me uh, around, you know, as you were sharing, Adrienne Marie Brown, this massive contradiction, right? Mm -hmm. That is the massive contradiction that somehow, some way, people don't see those two, like, spheres of violence and really mm -hmm. many many buckets of violence they don't see those connected mm -hmm. and and i think like it like the way that i like to think about things and i've i've been like this for a while <laughs> um this kind of started with, for me when i was in college um i was taking this class that was like for other people their capstone class but i already finished my capstone so i was like what am i gonna do and how can i make this really easy and um uh Spoiler alert, I started a podcast, not this one, but a different podcast that exists somewhere out in the ether um, where I talked about like uh, toxic masculinity and why it exists, because I I truly believe that like, you know, toxic masculinity is not helpful to men. It is not helpful to people who are not men and uh, it's violent to everyone. And so why does it exist? And, um, you know, my belief is like at the at the core of every like negative thing that a person does to another person or at the core of every pain or every issue that we're dealing with is this insecurity and this fear that people are unwilling to name out loud or unwilling to name for themselves. And so react out of that pain and anger. And so like, you know, you may think like, how is me caring for myself going to end up 
with a future where uh, people can get abortions, uh, you know, quickly and painlessly and, you know, free. Um, and it, I think it's all about like the mindset. Like if we start digging into like what is at the core of why this system isn't working, um, what is at the core of, you know, like something that I think about and I talk a lot about um in restorative and transformative justice is like how we can't just look at the surface level of of any situation that happens. So like um, I have to be willing and able to recognize the things that like I bring into a conflict that I have with another person, because sometimes it's not just what that what I did to that person or what that person did to me. Uh, sometimes it's also the fact that I haven't eaten today or it's the fact that like, you know, maybe a um, hard event happened this week or it's, you know, like there are other things that exist in the cloud around me that I'm bringing into something. And I don't when I don't talk about that, it starts to affect the other thing. And then the the cause of the issue gets kind of murky. And um, one thing that, uh, you know, I see as uh difficult is is like when we are not taught in the current justice system and we're not often taught in uh the world in general and i'm side note i'm really happy that there are parents out there who are teaching their kids to like think about these things but we're not we're not taught to think about like what what feeling are we having underneath why we're reacting this way and if we start thinking about that in our daily interactions with each other then once we get used to doing that then we can make it bigger into our reactions with other groups of people and then bigger into you know people for people who are in leadership or who are working at organizations how that organization interacts with another organization and it just goes up and up and up and um eventually the hope is that everyone has this mindset where they're thinking about like how, what what privilege they have or what um you know what burdens they are carrying into other situations and then be able to say like i'm sorry i reacted this way this is because of this or i you know, being able to say, like, the way you said that hurt me because this person did this and that hurt me. Um, and I never got to resolve that. And like the more cognizant we are, like the the better we can make our conflicts, because like it, if our conflicts become clearer and we're more willing to talk about like what the deep rooted problem is, then we we get to a better solution where we're treating everyone with dignity. And like, I think that's really the the end goal is to be able to treat everyone with uh dignity and, I, I used, and owning oh. no I, I was just gonna say owning <laughs> our own mess right yeah, yeah yeah um i used this this metaphor in the uh talk that i had um uh talking about myself as like a really complicated plant because i i you know i have a lot of plants and i'm not very good at taking care of them but sometimes they stay alive and that's cool um, but I like to think of myself as a complicated plant. Um, I try to drink more water. I'm really, uh, trying to focus on making sure that I get enough food in my body, um, so that I can do the things that I want to do. But if you think about a plant, um, uh, if it is not in the right environment, you know, there are plants that are meant for dark spaces. There are plants that are meant for bright spaces. There are plants that are meant for a humid, some dry, you know, there's a variety of things that like plants have environments that they thrive in. It's not necessarily that like they will not, there are some that will not exist in a, an environment that is not that 
one that they thrive in. But, um, you know, they have environments that they do thrive in. And so, um, you know, America is a very toxic environment. It kind of sucks. And um, as as a very complicated plant that needs the right amount of sunlight, that needs uh, water, that needs nourishment, um, I have to be willing to, as my own, I'm both the plant and the keeper of the plant. Um, I have to be willing to, uh, you know, look at what is the environment that I'm in, in what way are, you know, or am I putting myself in the wrong environment? And when I see brown spots come up, when my leaves start to wither, um, I have to be able to recognize that and say like, okay, what about this environment is toxic for me? And then what can I do about that environment to, you know, make sure that I'm thriving? So for example, I have this plant that um, Terry can't actually see right now, but it's behind me in this uh, Zoom call that we're in. And um, it needs a lot of sunlight, but um, not too much sunlight. And I used to have it on one side of the curtain and the um, it's like a it's like a mesh curtain um, and it was starting to brown because it was too much sunlight. So now I know that if I put it on the other side of the curtain, it is enough sunlight that it's bright enough that it will grow, um, but not too much sunlight so that it's browning. And so like me being observant and being like, okay, I noticed that when I put my plant in this window in this way, it's going to start to weather. And so I need to change that up. And I think like too often we are trying to brute force ourselves into staying in one environment and, and sticking with that environment and forcing it to work. Um, and we're still withering and we wonder why. And that's such, I, I feel like that's such an apt metaphor for uh, much of American culture. Right. Mm-hmm. But also it's a great metaphor. Like I am the plant and I am the gardener when it comes to all of these internal development things that are not only like individuals developing, like developing an anti-racist self, developing, Mm -hmm. you know, a lens of true restoration and transformation and not like buying into the carceral myth. Um, But also as a whole society, like we are the product and the producer, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it is engaged. I, one of my, um, my, real heroes in life uh, the reverend tracy blackman um, is a minister associate general minister for justice and witness ministries in the united church of christ my denomination and she i can remember many years ago at uh, a general synod where she was preaching she made the statement i can never be unarmed when it is my blackness that you fear mm. and i I, that was so profound for me as as a person who grew up in extraordinarily white community, in extraordinarily um, not integrated racially, um, economically, socioeconomically community. is fascinating to me because what that says is that the way that you perceive me is you. Mm-hmm. And what you have cultivated and what you have chosen to grow in your garden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot, even stripping myself of every device, stripping myself of every element, I still cannot tear apart your delusions about me. And mm-hmm. we live in a culture and society today where we have allowed some horrible things to grow in our garden. 
I mean, I, I, I think about, um, you know, this, this horrible shooting of Ralph and looking at the police and first responder, like press conference where they have to come out and say, yeah, so this young child, this, this young person was murdered on the front step of this person's home. Well, you know, was, was shot yes. um, in, in that space. Um, and we had to let this person go because Missouri law says that you can't hold somebody past 24 hours on a felony warrant without charging them. It was so fascinating because it's like, what we have grown in this society is a legal framework that cares more about the comfort of white people than the lives of black folks. Mm -hmm. And that is not by accident, right? That is a system that mm -hmm. has decided this is, this is where the value of that system rests. And until we do a lot of pruning and a lot of replanting and a lot of recultivating in that garden, that garden is not going to be well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a stewardship issue. It is a compatibility issue. We have structured these systems that are just incompatible with thriving. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, um, like when another, another part of this, this plant metaphor that I've, I've brought up before, um, is this kind of idea of like the, the root system part of things, you know, like our, the, not only do uh, have we made these toxic environments and we are choosing to continue to live in those toxic environments, but out, outside of the the plant thing, we all have the same soil, right? And and if you are choosing to make your soil toxic, that eventually is going to reach out, like reach back to me. And like, if we are any way in interaction with each other, your toxic soil is going to mess with my soil, no matter how much. Um, I'm taking care of it, which is, is kind of the same thing as what you were saying earlier, um, that Tracy Blackman said. Um, and, uh, what, but what can be like, a, a it can be a good thing, right? To have this root system that's bound together. I think back to that, like cuddling in the dark and holding each other as we're facing people with war regalia. Like if we can choose to make our environments more healthy, if we can, work on ourselves if we can do that pruning and when i think about pruning we have to remember that like cutting it all back at once can sometimes be too much and and, and i know this may be like semi-controversial um but like i think about like i got my hair cut recently and it was a little more than i thought it was gonna be um but like when you when you grow out your hair they cut it like they sometimes don't take off all the damaged hair at the same time because then you wouldn't have enough left to get by day uh, in your day-to-day -day life. And in the same way, if you are trying to confront these systems that um, have uh, been a big part of your life for a long time, it can be very difficult to um, uh, prune all of that off uh, at once. So, you know, I think what what I want to say is like to have grace in that, in that pruning period, knowing that you're not going to be a hundred percent right away, but that doesn't mean like you prune once and then you never prune again. 
it means that like it's it's a daily practice of like watching for those brown leaves and expecting that more will come up in the healing process because you're not just going to be 100 percent better right away you know and there's Um, there's something profound about the expectation that that you have shared around rtj that the expectation is not that we replace one punitive system with another punitive system. Like we're not here to just cancel everybody who doesn't, doesn't achieve perfection. Right. Mm -hmm. We are here to grow into a liberated future together. And that's Mm -hmm. messy and that's hard and it takes time and it takes effort. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, every frustrating, like it's, it's every problem we don't want to fix, you know, going to the gym to exercise a little Mm -hmm. more, uh, going to our plates to eat a little less, you know, whatever the, the function is, you know, that, that we're trying to be disciplined about. That's, that's the metaphor. It's not just a sudden fix and everything will be well. Yeah. Mm. And and like the the sooner that we learn that, the sooner that we, uh, you know, allow ourselves to get better over time and accept that it's going to be slow and it's going to be messy and it's not going to be linear. And we continue to reject the like uh, white supremacist capitalist system that we are a part of. Um, then like the, the closer we get to that liberated future, like we can't just go from living in a police state to abolishing prison systems overnight. Like it, it would not be healthy to do that because what we would probably end up is with is another police state. That's like just different, differently branded. And we don't want that. And the better way to do it, if you, I I also like to think things as like, uh, like a yarn ball. It take, if you have a ball of yarn that's gotten tangled it takes a really long time to get it apart. But if you pull it really hard, it's not going to get better. It's just going to get more tangled. And so I think like as we are working towards abolition, as we're working towards creating a future, again, where abortion is quick and painless and free, um, then we have to like, you know, continue to pick at, you know, thinking about things like the just just getting past the like pro-life, pro-choice, quote unquote, um, sides of things and, and starting to think more as anti-abortion and pro-abortion um, and getting getting past these things that we've been teaching ourselves for a really long time and slowly but surely, you know, untwisting those knots and, and untangling things. So, yeah. Well, uh, we're out of time. <laughs> um, so uh, it's been it's been great to to talk to you about this thing. Um, and uh, we will be back in a couple weeks. And yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro. You can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.